Pixel Sift is proudly supported by the Murdoch University School of Arts. If you're looking for a creative degree, they might be able to help you out. And if you're keen to learn more, just have a look at the website at murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts to find out what they've got on offer. That again was murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts, or you can search Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts proudly supporting Pixel Sift. Pixel Sift. Hello and welcome to episode 160 of Pixel Sift, the show dedicated to indie games from Australia and around the world. My name is Fiona Bartholomew and joining me tonight is my co-host Sarah. Hey, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me back again. It's been far too long. <laughs> it really has. And our guest tonight as well is Meredith Hall, producer at Aconite and games and digital content officer at Film Victoria. Thanks so much for joining us, Meredith. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So we'll be talking to Meredith about Aconite's new photography-based game, Hollow Vista, and I'm super excited to hear about this one today. Me too, so why don't we jump straight into it? Australia's best video game podcast. Subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. So our guest this evening is Meredith Hall, who is the producer at Aconite, and he, she, she's here to tell us all about Hollow Vista. So for those who may not know, uh, Meredith, could you tell us what is Hollow Vista? It would be my absolute pleasure. So Hollow Vista is a mobile game. It's currently out on iOS, and you play as Carmen, a junior architect who finally lands her dream job. Uh, you are tasked with exploring a new build by the mysterious Mesmer and Braid. And along the way, you kind of figure out that the house isn't all that it seems. Um, the game is played through kind of a social media interface. So you're navigating a lot of the conversations that I think a lot of people have been having this year um, about who we are online versus who we are in person um, and how we kind of craft our sense of identity. So it's a really, really special game and it was so much fun to work on. So how long was the the game in development for? Because just I played the whole game myself the other day and I had lots of fun. There's just so much, not only detail, but gameplay in there. It must have taken quite a while. Yeah, it's a pretty incredible team. Um, I feel very blessed to have worked with with who I did. Um, we, the kind of core team, I guess, with Nadia and, and Star and Scott, who were the two directors and, and the lead game designer, um, they'd been working on a number of ideas for a really long time and sort of playing around with this idea of reality and blurring those lines between technology and our daily life, um, which is why mobile felt like such a good fit as well. Um, it's such a space that we're always engaging with. So they were working on a couple of different prototypes, trying to see what they landed on, and they got really into this photo-taking mechanic and kind of, you know, how we use our phones as a lens to process the world. Um, I came on board last March um, in 2019, um, and we ended up releasing in September of this year. So the kind of core key development process, once we got that prototype locked down and they'd done that pre-production, was a little over a year and a half. Um, so it came together really quickly, considering it was a brand new team that hadn't worked together before. They did incredible work. That's awesome. So the main thing that captures you the second that you see anything from Hollow Vista is the aesthetics, and it is absolutely stunning. I mean, what comes to my mind is uh, Vaporwave. How did the team settle on such a striking use of visual imagery for it? So 
from from kind of day one, Nadia and Star have both got a background of being very artistic, very creative people. Um, and so when they saw Blake Catherine's work, she's worked across, uh, this is actually her first game, but she's worked across a number of industries before doing this really intensely vaporwave surrealist style that is completely out of this world, right? Um, so they found Blake and knew that that was the kind of aesthetic they wanted to lean into, especially because we were setting it in this sort of futuristic world. But we didn't want it to be too far beyond the comprehension of the world we kind of live in now. Um, later on, they found Andrew as well, um, Andrew Morgan, who's in the UK, and had a very similar sort of aesthetic. So the two of them were able to craft these really incredible intense scenes um, that are just completely striking. And so when you add the element of moving your phone around that physical space, it's, yeah, it feels like stepping into sort of like a cotton candy dream a lot of the time. Um, I can't art at all. So every time I saw <laughs> anything that they created, I was just blown away. Now the, the game as well. Um, fantastic. It does have, the game does have a little bit of like a plot twist of sorts. And I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but the aesthetics actually stay the same throughout the game, which I found quite interesting. So was there a reason why they stayed the same? We didn't want to create something where anything felt blatant. I think a lot about, um, a lot of the ways we process the world is through slow and gradual change. Um, and I similarly don't want to drop any spoilers, but, uh, Absolutely, we wanted it to feel like a place you could see yourself being in. Like you could walk into this house and it would be fantastical and it would be over the top, but it would feel real. Um, so we knew that we needed that aesthetic to weave through everything that you did in the game because in this world, that's just how the world is, you know, in, in this near future space. So it was a very conscious decision to keep things, even when they were starting to bend and blur those lines of reality, still feeling like they were rooted in a really clear aesthetic. Um, from the start, which is a, a testament as well to um, especially Star, who led all the art direction um, from from day one as to how that was going to kind of give that sense of place. So the game has a heavy focus on the photography of you walking into these fantastical environments and obviously moving your iOS device around to, to photograph it and then to post it on the, the social media. So where did the, the, I guess, how did that decision come about that it was going to be so focused on the photography element of it? So Nadia has a bit of a background in photography um, and, and so does Star. They're, like I said, they've both been creatives for an incredibly long time, but this is both of their first game. Um, and that was the same for a lot of the team, like Blake as well. But I think we all are so used to, especially because pretty much all of us are, are millennials, um, we're so used to filtering our lives through that lens of what we show people versus what we text our friends versus what we upload. And so the sense of this sort of storytelling where this person was being asked, Carmen in this instance, to capture that world through that lens while also processing kind of intensely personal feelings um, but being told to keep capturing. And so it's that sense of who are we when we're not capturing these moments? Who are we when we're not sharing these moments? What does that mean for our sense of identity if we don't have that presence um, online, which I think is something that a lot of us grapple with. So once they found that mechanic and found the the fun and the joy in that and that sort of hidden object um, finding as well and the way that could be used to kind of weave a narrative, I think it just fell into place with that social media story that we were kind of weaving through. I think that's it's really fascinating that you're telling the story through social media, which then relates back to what you were saying, how we're always using our phone and we're sharing portions of our life and not really all of it. Yeah, absolutely. 
So were there many challenges um, the, the the team faced when trying to create the game? I think one of the, the challenges is one that everyone's dealt with this year, um, and that was definitely COVID. I mean, we were in a really blessed position. We're an entirely remote team. I mean, you know, I'm the the one Australian in the corner saying all sorts of wacky, strange words, and the poor team are going, what on earth is you know, everything that you have just said in that sentence. Um, but being that we were so kind of scattered around the world, we were used to working in a sort of kind of organised, disjointed way. Like we we had set times that we could all speak and all work with one another. Um, but just the weight of, of the world changing the way that it has this year, that was really difficult. And I think we all, we all struggled with that in the way that everyone did. Um, we benefit in a sense from having been remote from the start and from being able to recognize since day one that at the end of the day with the kind of studio that Aconite is creating they're looking at a place that puts their people first and that was always priority number one and that's part of why we were able to actually put something together and release it in a year and a half because that was priority number one Um, and it meant that we knew what the plan was and we were able to execute it. there are, of course, all of the usual challenges as well, just big decisions that you have to make about how you're going to release it, when you're going to release it, um, timing, um, you know, hiring when you need to bring other people on, when the scope changes, all that sort of stuff. Um, but we were really lucky to have a really open, collaborative environment that meant that, you know, those challenges were never insurmountable, which was really special. Yeah, can I, I can imagine because um, we have spoken to quite a few developers while during when WA was in a bit of a lockdown as well. And for them, some of the challenges was taking all of that tech home or tech they could only access in the office and try and spread it out between people. Was it was it hard, though, when you were saying that um, you had to hire a couple of people on? Was it difficult trying to get those people on board with the remoteness of the company? I think it was the same kind of thing. I think because we had brought people on, in that remote capacity before, um, or at least, you know, off the back of a couple, like a meeting or two or a meeting and then a Zoom or something, um, it was more straightforward than we thought it would be. Um, we we kind of tried to set really clear expectations for people. Um, we were really open. Nadia and Star are great at onboarding people and making them feel welcome as well. Um, so everyone that kind of came on board, regardless of what stage of the process, it, it felt very natural, um, which is is hard to do at the best of times, <laughs> let alone during a, a pandemic. Um, so, yeah, they did an incredible job with that. And now just going back to the game for a bit, uh, the game is very, very immersive with, like we're saying, you can grab your phone or the device you're using and actually pick it up and look around the room like you were there taking photos. You choose which one goes social media, what filter you want to put on it. Why was it important for you and the team to make a game that is so immersive for the player? So Aconite, since sort of day one, has been all about those those lines of reality and how we can blur them. They've always experimented with sort of new and emerging technology um, in all those prototypes that they looked at as well. So every time that they were playing with something to do with VR or AR and those elements, it was always with that sense of what can be done with this to tell a story in a different way. Um, and that was something that was really important to all of us was, okay, there have been, you know, stories where you take photos and that's how you tell the story. There have been games where you move around a physical space, but 
how many times have they been combined in this way, and especially on a device like mobile, which is often super underserved, um, yet it's something that, you know, 90% of people have. So that was something that was really a conscious decision of, okay, we know we want to create something that has this sense of immersion. We want it to be accessible. We don't want people to have to turn around and buy a VR headset to do that. How can we combine that and do that in a really visually striking way that is still reachable um, for, for many people? Because that was important to us, especially, you know, we're a team that's made up of, you know, a large number of women, um, a large number of queer people. For us, it was important that what we were making was accessible to people who don't always necessarily consider themselves a, a gamer in a traditional sense. That is awesome. So in the trailer for the game, in one frame, there's a QR code that takes you to the Mesmer and Braid, the company um, that is featured in the game. It takes you to their website. So the website shows past projects the company has worked on and also has a, a cool little, uh, I guess, a quiz that you have to go through if you want to, you know, work with them or potentially, you know, uh, be involved with them, which I think is super, super interesting. Can you tell us a bit more about the website? Yeah, so it, it's, a bit of a rabbit hole. And I think that's something that we really like. Um, our entire team are very interested in sort of philosophy and psychology and um, humanity and how we engage with one another. And, and something that is really common and, again, is really common in social media now is this sense of sharing who you are through what you consume, um, which is very similar with, like, you know, we've just seen the Spotify wrapped, everyone sharing that at the end of the year and, and what that says about them. Um so I think there was definitely that sense of we wanted to make this experience feel like it was broader and wider and stranger um, than anyone's wildest dreams. And so part of that meant that that website would be the starting point to tell another kind of story in another kind of medium that was all part of the same universe but not necessarily experienced the same way by every two people. Um, it was about increasing collaboration around a game that is very much a single player experience um and it was it was really special it was a, a really wild ride um Steve and Nick were two people that we involved to help us run that ARG and they just did an incredible job um it it completely blew us away with the reaction that people had to it and the response so bouncing off that what was the reception like for the game upon release it was really lovely. We'd had a, a really dedicated group of people that we'd built up over time um, between going to events when that was, you know, still a thing, um, but also just with outreach. We we knew who our players were pretty early on and, and who we felt would be interested in this, and we tried to really engage them from day one. Um, and everyone that, you know, we did some really rigorous beta testing as well with a lot of that audience, so we knew when we were releasing that we were releasing the kind of game that these people had been hoping for. Um, and you always have that, you know, nervousness in your stomach of, oh, my God, are people actually going to like it? But the reviews have been completely glowing. Um, every kind of concern that we had and did our best to, to resolve or to allay um, was, for the most part, completely well received. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we could be happier with how it went, you know, both culturally in terms of press um, and, and critical acclaim as well has been really, really positive. Um, just having people telling you like this is their favourite game of all time or this is the first game they've played because they felt like they could or those are the things that make absolutely all of it worth it a thousand times over. 
And I, I sat there for the last few days, like I said before, I've been sitting there actually playing the game and I haven't been able to, what, like put it down. I must admit, it's captured me quite a lot. And you're definitely right when you're saying about how it does blur the lines between reality, like in the game itself, reality, and then what is happening. And then after seeing that website pop up, I'm like, oh, that's, it's real. Is it real? Who knows? <laughs> Exactly. And that's something we like to play with a lot. And and that's where the ARG itself, which is still like completely playable, that will always kind of exist um, in, in perpetuity in a sense. Um, but that was where that we knew from kind of day one that we we didn't want to market like traditional game studios. We didn't want to engage with our community like traditional studios. We wanted to play and and lean into that sense of play in with a kind of a focus on emotion and a focus on what we feel when we engage with people um, online and, and form these relationships. And so it was really special seeing all these people connect to one another and still have relationships beyond, you know, going through this ARG together because they've built these close friendships while they've solved these problems. Um, and it's that same thing. It's that constant questioning of what is real. Well, we know you and I are real, so let's figure this out together. And that's that's really special. And now you are the the producer, like we've said before, at Aconite. But uh, what made you first want to get into game development? That's a big question. I I didn't know that I could go into game development for a really long time. Um, I, you know, I've already kind of said that I'm, you know, not necessarily an artist and I, I don't particularly code. Um, and to me, when I was younger, that was what was involved in game development. Um, so it wasn't until I, I got a little bit older and, I had studied communications and so my background was kind of more around marketing and I had a friend who was working at a local studio here in Melbourne and they needed a marketer. And so I came on board as a marketer and then ended up transitioning into being a producer there. And it was sort of the same thing with with Aconite. I came on board as kind of a marketing consultant and then that morphed as the project kind of matured into helping to lead that and, and direct that, but then also um, helping to kind of lead the project um, on a on a consultancy basis as well. Fantastic. So you're also the Games and Digital Content Officer at Film Victoria. Can you tell us a bit more about what the role there entails? Yeah, it's a really, really special role. I I feel completely blessed like every single day when I get to talk about it. Um, So part of what we do at Film Victoria is funding for local game developers in Victoria. Um, And that is a really like wide and broad role in terms of what I'm doing on any given day. It's everything from meeting with local developers to talk to them about what they're working on and whether they might come and speak to us for funding through to checking up on people who are in the process of developing their games that we've provided funding and then also just being a resource to to the local community. Um, Since day one when I started working in the industry, the thing that I loved, 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 loved the most was being able to connect with people working on different things. So it's a really unique outlet for that, being able to see all kinds of games being made all kinds of ways and hopefully help guide people in in the right directions. So how did you first get started working with Film Victoria? It's funny. I I saw the ad come up. Um, well, actually, my partner saw the ad come up and he sent it to me and was like, this is your job. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, in five years. Like, that's what I want to do in five years time. Like that, that's the goal. And he was like, no, no, you, you're applying for this now. And I was like, no, I couldn't possibly like, no, I I'm not ready. Cause I, I've still felt really early career. Um, and I, I definitely had that sense of imposter syndrome. I think everybody does. Um, and he was like, I will be 
very upset with you if you don't apply. And I was like, okay, I'll throw my hat in the ring. So I've always tried to kind of not, and, and this is something I say to a lot of um, developers who come to us for funding too. I'm like, don't count yourself out. Like you don't have to make the decision about whether or not, you know, you're, you're worth taking the chance on. Leave that to someone else. So I was like, I'll throw my hat in the ring. I'll do it. Um, and yeah, I, I was lucky enough or they were, you know, very distracted that day and, and picked my <laughs> resume up instead. Um, but yeah, it, it um, that was about two, just over two years ago now. And yeah, it has absolutely flown um, in that time. So before you were telling us all the different things that you do as part of your job, uh, but what does a typical workday look like for you? Oh my gosh. That's like, oh, that's such a hard question. It's so different from day to day. Um, I guess the most typical is a lot of emails. Like my inbox is very busy and very full. Um, a lot of planning, whether that's planning around meetings that we've got to have or meeting with developers or internal meetings or strategy stuff. Um, it's it's almost all about communication at the end of the day. Like it's, it's talking to people internally, externally, um, finding out what they need, finding out what we can help with um, and trying to give the industry whatever it needs to go in the direction it needs to. Um, there's definitely no typical day a lot of the time. Um, it feels like it's always changing, which I think is part of what I love about it. Fantastic. How do you feel um, that Film Victoria has grown since you came on board or do you feel like it's just grown in general over the years? That's a hard question. I think, I think you know, Film Victoria has been funding games for something like 25 years. Like it's a, an absurd amount of time wow. Yeah. Um, when you think about, you know, the nature of the games industry locally and, and the games industry itself is absolutely growing, you know, year on year across Australia, across the world. Um, I do think that that Film Victoria has had a hand in that. I think, you know, that that funding being available has been really helpful to people. Um, and we're seeing every year more and more talented people making more and more exciting stuff. Um, I, I definitely don't know if I can take any part of that, hopefully. Um, hopefully I've helped in some way. Um, I think it did help that a lot of people in the industry knew me before I worked there, and I think that makes it a little bit less scary to you know, approach a, a government agency when the person that's working there that you know is someone who you've seen posting memes on Twitter and <laughs> you know is like a bit of a dork. Um, I definitely think that helped. But they also had Liam Rout there for, for years and still do, who is like the most approachable, lovely human you've ever seen. So um, I definitely hope I have had some part in it, but definitely can't attribute it to me. <laughs> and, and going off that there, like you say, you've been there for just over two years now. So far, what has been your proudest moment working at uh, Film Victoria? Oh, gosh. I I don't know if there's one specific moment. I think there is something so, so special about seeing the people that you've worked with or, you know, listened to or guided in some way um, just do well. Like there, there's something about that that is so lovely because we get to play a really behind the scenes role a lot of the time and often a really small role. Like often we're very early on in the process and these people are taking everything that they're learning and absolutely grabbing it and running with it. And that is the loveliest thing. Like being able to turn around and like be proud of them is something that makes you really proud for you, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, it's, Proud by proxy, I guess. <laughs> um, it's really, really special. I, I can't think of any one specific moment, um, but absolutely, like every time we see, you know, someone like House House, 
turn around and and win all these awards. That's incredible. But then even on the flip side, the people who just release a thing, that is huge. It is so hard to release a game. That is a huge undertaking. So it's very special to see people doing that. Now, for those who are listening, I know we've definitely got some game developers listening at the moment. Are there any tips that you can give on how people can approach getting funding or getting funding from different companies, not only Film Victoria, but maybe from ones from WA as well? Yeah, I mean, the number one thing I would say is I know it seems really scary, but talk to them. Like, we we seem frightening. Um, I know it's really hard to to take something that you care about and that's creative and that you love and say, hey, can you please look at my thing? Um, that's terrifying. Like, I'm, I make things. I know how terrifying it is. Um, but it's so important. And the people that are working at these organisations, they want to help you. They want to find a path forward. They want to, you know, guide you to the right place if they're not the right place. Um, definitely take the leap and and trust that there are people around who want to help catch you and and help you with that process. Um, yeah, don't, don't talk yourself out of it and don't think you're too small or too new or too big or too, you know, it's, again, there's no Goldilocks, like, to the process, I think. I think people think they have to look a certain way or be a certain kind of company or be a certain kind of person or whatever. And that's absolutely not the case. You know, this industry is broad and diverse and everyone is doing really different, exciting things. And I know that at least for us, we want to see all of it. And I'm sure that for all the other state agencies, it's the same. So do you have any advice to give to developers that are wanting to grow their social media and I guess grow and be more part of the community? So in terms of individual developers or more as teams, like more about kind of individual people? Uh, I guess either, especially because you work with Film Vic and you're dealing with, I guess, all kinds of developers that are looking to kind of, you know, become, I guess, uh, seen as like a real game developer or to, to achieve a grant or to get their product out there and get, get that recognition, right? It's definitely, there's a lot of value, I guess, in having, you know, a, a personal brand and it, it can feel really I think for a lot of people, they talk themselves out of it because they feel like it's disingenuine. But really, the whole point of any personal brand is just who you are and, and what people can hope to get from you. Like, what can they hope to learn from you? How can they hope to, are you going to make them laugh? Are you going to make them think? You know, what does that look like? And it's very similar when you're marketing a game as well. You know, who are you trying to talk to? What are you trying to make them feel? Um, it's very easy for marketing of any kind to get distilled down to, you know, advertising and, you know, buy, 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 and someone putting something in front of your face that you don't care about. But the metaphor that I always use for it is it's like you have a glass of water and there's someone out there who's thirsty and you need to find them. Like you can help them. You can give them something they're looking for. Um, I think if you're trying to do that, know why, you know, is it, is it because you, you know, if as an, on an individual level, at least, is it because you want to be seen a certain way or because you want to, you know, be able to refer to it for opportunities. There are a lot of reasons why you might want a social presence. Um, is it because you want to connect to other developers? There's plenty of different ways you can do that between Twitter, in person, discords, all sorts of stuff. And again, it's the same when you're marketing your game. You know, you don't have to do everything. Um, you don't have to be on every social network. You don't have to be in every space. Find the spaces that make sense for you and and build real relationships there. And that that will pay off for you. I think, I think that's that is absolutely wonderful advice I was for just anyone about to say games. that. Games. And and for people currently in games, anyone of any level making games, that is absolutely val- invaluable advice. Thank you. 
My pleasure. Now, we've spoken all about not only the game Holly Vista, but also yourself, how you got involved with games. But just to end off tonight, what do you think 2021 looks like in Victorian-made games? <sighs> That's such a good question. I mean, every year I think that I can't be surprised by how good everything is and then every year I get surprised again. <laughs> so I'm trying, and I mean, especially with this year, I was like, I can't be surprised. And then this year happened and I was like, oh, my God, people are still making these incredible clever, funny, emotional, you know, art in this year. So I I always believe now that it is just going to keep going up. And I think, you know, we have so many people that have built things and learnt from them and are now building the next thing. And the first thing is always the hardest. And the first thing is where you learn, you know, so, so much. And I think with every year, we've got more and more people getting past making their first thing and making their second or their third or their fifth. Um, we've got studios that are, you know, quite large in, in Victoria now and are growing and scaling and are being sustainable. And, um, that means that there's, you know, more jobs for, for younger people coming out of the industry. It, it seems to be in a really good place, I think around the world as well in the context of everything going on. So I'm hopeful that that onward trajectory will keep zooming up. Well, that's all about that we have time for tonight. But if you'd like to find out more about the game, you can head to enterholovista.com. And you can also check out Meredith Hall's Twitter at Mary H. Uh, at Mary H. Sorry. So thanks again for being part of the show tonight, Meredith. My absolute pleasure. It was so lovely to chat. Now, Pixel Sift is produced by Scott Quigg, Sarah Ireland, myself, Mitch Lowe, Daniel Eng, Adam Christo, and Gianni Di Giovanni is our executive producer. And we wouldn't have been able to make 160 episodes of Pixel Sift if we didn't have the support of Murdoch University. So go and check them out and tell them that we sent you. If you're keen to learn more about a great creative degree, you can head to murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. That again was murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. And as always, we'll be sticking links to everything we spoke about tonight in our show notes on our website, pixelsif.com.au. You can also come join us on Discord because we would love to have you there. That's pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord, where you can share your creative work, talk about topics in games and anything else. And once again, that is pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. And if you do like the show and you like what we do, can we ask a favor? We need your help to share the show. So tell a friend, subscribe your brothers and sisters, do that thing where you like play on someone else's Spotify, like you automatically make it play in their house and then they won't know what happened, but they'll be like, wow, Pixel is really cool do that because you know once you're in podcasts you'll love it too much to leave and it can be a bit scary getting started so please spread the word if you enjoy the show because we'd love to have you brothers and sisters watching us too now next week on the 10th of november we'll be back again with pixel stiff plays and we're back playing art of rally so make sure you tune in for part two of the game but otherwise that's all for this week thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time